Welcome to You're Still Doing That. I'm Matt Miller, and welcome to a podcast where I talk with everyday people about their childhood joys that have endured into adulthood. A podcast about the thing you've loved your whole life and continue to do, practice, and work at today. If you love the podcast and listen to it frequently, please visit my website, www.yourestilldoingthat.com, and leave a tip. You can also get caught up in all the past episodes and answer fun questions and polls or make a suggestion about a future guest. I'm sure your friends and family would love to get nominated to be on the podcast. Remember, www.yourestilldoingthat is the only podcast website to check out. Uh, With us today, I'm very excited to welcome Catherine Garrett. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you're doing fine. Great. Awesome. I I am doing uh, wonderful today on a it's a beautiful Sunday morning where I am. Uh, uh, where? Uh, what time is it where you're at? Uh, here where I am in Greece right now, it's uh, 5.20 in the afternoon. So it gets dark pretty fast. And, but it's been a, bit, a good day either. Um, it's not cold at all. Mediterranean weather. So it's perfect. Well, that's great. I remember when we were chatting beforehand and you told me you were seven hours ahead of me. And so yeah. I was looking at the time zones. I'm like, what country is she going to be in? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, uh... Welcome from Greece. We are glad to have you. Uh, Catherine you. is a singer and she's a harpist, a model, a composer, and a ver- visual artist that is passionate about creating unique soundscapes that resonate across different genres. She uses a mix of hand-drawn art along with AI to build wondrous backdrops for the music she creates. And I've been telling you, I've been listening to your music all morning, getting ready so I could get in the right headspace to talk to you this morning. That's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, and I've, uh, I've really enjoyed it as well. It made me wish that I had uh, brushed up on my Spanish or paid more attention to Spanish when I was in school, <laughs> listening <laughs> to everything. Uh, but it's absolutely wonderful. All right, Catherine. uh, So we're going to talk a lot about uh, what you do in music today. Let's find out a little bit about about you as a person. Uh, Catherine, where were you born? So I was born in Peru. Um, So I'm from South America. My dad is French. So I always had this dream of going to France and just, you know, uh, knowing the European culture. And in 2014, I decided to move to Europe and I've been living there since then. And it's been quite the experience. I learned a lot. Um, yeah, so I, it served me a lot to develop my art and my skills and the things that I wanted to do. And internet for me has been like the best resource because when I was a small little girl, um, music lessons were very expensive. So I couldn't really take music lessons. So my education in music started way later, thanks to the internet where I could find like online courses. I remember I started with Coursera. uh, Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you uh, can... um... Internet's great uh, for uh, finding all kinds of resources and things to, to learn all kinds of skills. Yes, you can learn 
literally anything uh, yeah. on the internet. And I took that opportunity to to learn music until I finally could afford having like proper lessons with teachers, which is where yeah. I am right now. And I am preparing myself to learn to compose music for movies. I recently found out that, wow, like I don't know where my music really comes from because when I, my whole life, like my parents are not like very music experts or you know right. these people who know so many bands and groups and artists like i w grew up with radio music basically yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's nothing like the music that i do really it's just different so i was wondering where does this come from and then i realized it came from movie soundtracks because i love watching movies especially the animation uh, yeah. movies and I realized that I was just soaking in all that music unconsciously and then it was coming out somehow uh, on my own work so uh, it's something I love like telling stories and the song form sort of became a little bit too small for the things uh, as too small container I mean for the right. things I wanted to convey yeah, well, I can definitely tell your storytelling and your music, especially watching a couple of the videos that you've made for some of your pieces. We'll we'll get into that. Um, so uh, you're you're in Greece. Is that where you stay now, or, or are you kind of uh, traveling around in Europe? I am traveling around uh, for now. It's another dream of mine always was uh, like when I picture my life, you know, this question that they ask you, what do you want to be when you are older? Yeah. And I always picture my life as being like this huge adventure, like in books, <laughs> like in yeah, adventure yeah, yeah. books where the the characters are traveling and doing things and discovering things. And I was picturing my life like this. And of course, it's not always that glamorous, but I managed to be able to work uh, from home and, and travel and and use that as inspiration for my art, all the places that I visit. Yeah, well, I need to have you speak to uh, both of my daughters because that's exactly how I want them to do is to not get stuck doing something. And then and then that's where you kind of have to be. You can have find something you like to do that gives you the freedom to go wherever you want to go. Yeah, yeah. So, it's yeah. Very important. Kudos to you for uh, following uh, your dream and your passion and, and, uh, and then going right after it. Thank That's you. That's outstanding. All right. So, uh, so your native language is Spanish. Uh, do you speak any other languages? Oh, I guess yeah. English too. <laughs> yeah, I speak English and French because of my dad. And then uh, in high school, I learned a little bit of German and Italian, but I forgot I forgot mostly of it because <laughs> if you if you don't practice, it goes away. Right, right, and that seems common. I spoke with uh, um, a lady that we had a podcast the other day, and those were the exact same languages that she spoke. And she grew yes. up in she grew up in Italy, and mm -hmm. uh, but her parents were Bengali, and okay. so she spoke that and English, and uh, but uh, German and French as well, and she was learning Spanish too. Nice. So, yeah, it's very, right. very nice languages to learn, really. And yeah. they're not that different between each other. Italian, if you speak Spanish or something, yeah, it's Spanish, Italian is so easy. And Portuguese, Gotchies. it's like, 
I don't speak Portuguese, but when I listen to a Portuguese speaking, I can understand right. the general yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, similar to Spanish. Yeah, it's uh, it's very similar. You can understand many things. And Greek, it's strange because even though many words in Greek sound the same and are very similar, like in theater, for example, yeah. in Spanish is teatro, and yeah. in Greek is teatro. So it's very gotcha. similar. But when you hear someone speaking in Greek, they go so fast, I, I cannot catch any word. And even though they have plenty of words that are so so identical to Spanish, so similar, but the overall speaking <laughs> thing, you, you don't get anything. <laughs> All right. I've got, um, I've got a, a relative. Uh, she married someone who was 100% uh, Greek, and the whole family flew over for the wedding and the place cards at the, at the, at the wedding were crazy because these people flew over and their last names were like 30 characters long. And there was only uh, like one vowel, at least an American yeah. speaking English that was in there and the rest were consonants. We were like, how do you say this? <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. Uh, all right. So they, let's Oh, go right ahead. Oh, so they have a very different alphabet. It's like, very similar to the their ancient alphabet so yeah. i don't know how much greek, modern greek is different from ancient greek but the alphabet from what i've seen in the ruins and everything seems to be quite the same yeah. and that makes it even more difficult because the letters are completely different and then you're like how do you pronounce this and they tell you and it's like oh it was so easy but the alphabets make it look like it was Right. right, 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 right. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some of your music. So you had mentioned a little bit um, before about starting music. Uh, when did you realize that you wanted to get into creating your own music? So I always uh, loved music and singing. I was always singing and, and playing with around with music, but because of that... Um, fact of not being able to have lessons because they were expensive I right. obviously didn't have any training so uh, every time I would sing or do something people were like no shut up don't do that it's not like I had the this um this thing where you are good at several things um yeah. which is nice to have but then um it's I it's like I was expected to be good at certain things and not to others and consciously for some reason. And now that I come to think about it, uh, looking back in the past, I see that most of the people who were telling me, no, stop singing, you're not good at that, were people in my school. So it was like, okay, you're so good in a school, you cannot be also good at this. Right. And I actually was like, I wanted the opposite. I didn't yeah, yeah. care much about the school, but it just came easy. Like sometimes you, it's just a coincidence where your way of learning coincides with the way schools teach. It's just memorizing things, but that's not really learning. So no. um, even though I did good at the school, I feel like it's not a fair way of teaching because not everyone goes well at a school and that doesn't mean they are stupid or anything right 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 it's, it's yeah well it's, uh yeah most of what you learn is by what you do so 
Exactly. Um, so you at get some your... point, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, you got to go out and do stuff to find out what you love to do and what you like. Exactly, and not let anyone decide for you. Like, no, now that you are good, because you can be good at things that are not really the thing you want to do, and you yeah. can uh, have difficulty for the thing you really want to do. That was my case at the beginning. And that doesn't mean that you should, um, how you say that, conform to the thing yes. that's coming easy. Just It's just because school is something you have to do whether you like it or not. And so that doesn't mean that the, the subjects that you are taught there are going to be what you have to do, you know? You just right, right. need to practice. And sadly, everything art is uh, has this label of, no, you're going to stay poor if you do art. Don't yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, yeah, you don't need to go into that. Don't don't go into art or music or acting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this is not new. It, is, it has been like that forever. This morning, I yeah. was reading uh, Michelangelo's uh, biography. You know, the, the this guy that painted yeah. the... So... Um, uh, his father, so his family uh, was like a good family, but they lost uh, prestige in, with time. You know, things happen yeah. and they, they, they became poorer. And so they were not in that nice social position anymore. So when he wanted to be an artist, his father uh, went crazy because he's like, no, our family, an artist, is, we are going to be even poorer, <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. it's from someone from your level of society, you cannot be an artist. It's like too low for us, you know. But in the end, he was so willing to do that. He managed to convince his father to put him with a, in an artistic uh, education uh, because the education system worked different at that time. So if you were yeah. a child and you said, I want to be an artist, they will put you as an apprentice with yeah. someone and you will learn from very young uh, to do that thing. Yeah, they sure did. Uh, and, and so not only uh, did he do well with his art, but he also uh, was able to buy more properties and assets. And he basically brought his family back to its lost glory so wow it's, it's to show that you have to follow what you feel you are here in this world to do that's because, right because yeah you can always fail but at least you fail are something you like doing because yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jim Carrey's father failed uh, in a job he hated and he never tried his chance as a comedian you know yeah so if the chance of failing is there anyway, why not doing it something you love, right? Yeah. The list of famous uh, artists whose parents forbid them to become artists is, is very long. And they all yeah. became very successful anyways. Yeah. Because uh, they follow what your, what your passion is. Exactly. Which is exactly who I talk to on this podcast as people follow on their passion. Yeah. Um, so uh, what inspirations do you pull from for your music? So a lot from history, literature, cinema, obviously, storytelling, mm -hmm. and, and novels, fiction, uh, specifically, all that is 19th century 
literature is my absolute favorite. So that can, ranges. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say I could tell listening to your song Kiro uh, yesterday. I was watching it, and uh, it was it was very medievalish and and very epic. So that definitely uh, was pouring through there. Yes, absolutely. Med- medieval times, like as a whole, uh, it's very inspiring to me. And I'm not the only one, like when you see most fantasy movies and books, they like, there's something magical about the Middle Ages for some yes, reason. There is. We shouldn't idealize that because we had a lot of problems back then. Uh, but but- to say it was, if we all woke up in the 17th century, we would not think it was great or magical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they, they actually, the, if we would bring someone from those times, to now, they will find our uh, world basically with different worlds uh, much more magical. Like, oh my goodness! Yes, like they you, would. Have, you, you are talking to this rectangle here, and there's someone trapped in that rectangle and is talking to <laughs> you. Uh, where is that person? You know, right. uh, and so there's something mystical about those times that we cherish and idealize and love, and it's. It has this flavor. Even Lord of the Rings has this sort of medieval little flavor yeah. here and there. And yeah, we all love that. So medieval times as a whole aesthetic, uh, I I love. And also the Celtic, Viking sort of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. and then uh, for the literature, I am all about 19th century literature. So that ranges from science fiction that was created in the 19th century with Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, those people. And then you have, obviously, romantic literature, um, Victor Hugo, uh, these these people. You have Gothic literature that developed in the the English-speaking countries, like Edgar Allan Poe, Emily Dickinson, J.M., Jane Eyre is the book. <laughs> you have the, the Sisters Bronte, all these type of things. And then there's this counterpart. There is the realism. So that was more in France. So in, there was French romantic literature, like The Phantom of the Opera, for example. Right. It's, a, it's a book, a romantic book. Um, but in France, they were more into the realism, like and even naturalism, like Flaubert. Uh, Emile Zola, I, I, I don't like those um, because they have this message that you, like, is this, they, they use all this um, Darwin theory right, that, right. that says um, everything has a place and everyone has a place. So if you try to go out your place and let's say you were born poor, um, this is your place, stay there. And in my stories, because they portray reality, um, yeah. I show you that it's always about a character that is poor. It goes to he or she goes to Paris to find fortune and things always go wrong. And they even dead or go back to where they were before or they are worse than when the story started. So it's like saying, right. you stay in your place calmly, accept what it was given to you and not try to reveal against that because society, it's a mirror of nature and everything has its place. So I don't like realistic literature uh, because of that. Uh, not right. all of it. For example, Jane Austen is also sort of realism 
branch of literature, but she is not that uh, conformist. Um, it's more into love, romantic yeah, love yeah, yeah. side of things, but she doesn't have that message. So I avoid those. Um, I don't think that's reality. I don't think... I, I Reality is malleable. And if you think and you have a vision of something, you work towards that, you can change that reality that looks so daunting now, right? If you take it like, right. like a game, this is an illusion and I can move through the illusion and and change the illusion to something I like better. Yeah, well, I'm sure a lot of the artists in those time in the, in the 18th and 17th centuries, probably, you know, that's what people were told for, for thousands of years to, you know, mm. you have your your caste system, your level of society and people, you stay where you are. You don't rise up. You don't go down that way. The royalty stays royalty and, and the servants and the serfs stay where they are. And so they yeah. probably, a lot of them were scared to write about or sing or paint about, uh, moving up in your station. Uh, yes. So probably uh, forbidden to do or very much, uh, looked down for, uh, from harsh punishment if you did yeah, the thing with art in those times is uh, several things. So first of all, most artists need needed to have like a sponsor that would be yes. those families. So you obviously wouldn't criticize them because you would lose no. uh, mm-hmm. the sponsorship. That's, That's right. for one. Second one, the way you you would have itinerant artists that will go from village to village or city from city to city, and they yeah. would criticize uh, public figures and powerful uh, families. But that's town. why, <laughs> yeah, but not yeah. only leave town, they would have masks, so that the theater masks, yes. uh, is this genre that generated in Italy called Comedia del Arte, that was with uh, archetypical characters that were always the same, and they will have a mask that was specific to that character and they that character was an archetype so it could be like the doctor and the soldier for example or the etc the, the king and they were anonymous so you right. a, a, an actor will spend seven years of his life just mastering one character that they will choose for them and this character will have a mask and then it wasn't the individual person anymore. So you see the doctor and the doctor is saying something against the Medici, for example. And the Medici couldn't denounce anyone or punish anyone because A is a doctor. Is the doctor of, of of the theater? It's a character. You don't know who it is. It could be any actor, you know, just impersonating an archetype. So that was a very powerful tool for for criticizing society and trying to bring light to people that, hey, this should be different because they would do a lot of bad things to the people in in certain periods of crisis. Like they would promise something to the groups that were trying to fight for social rights, etc. And and then they will betray them and things like that. And things will be back to how they were before. And so one day I was browsing on Twitter and I found this tweet of someone saying, oh, you know, uh, when we had kings, uh, things were better because kings c- cared about their people. And you can see it in the 
architecture because the architecture is you you have very nice architecture in all of europe the cathedrals the churches museums palaces etc right and i was like i don't know in which world you are living yeah that's right most of them uh just just to give a very fast illustration of how much they care about the people kings uh it would have like uh, when they were children they will have a child that whose job was to receive the punishment punishment sorry like if if you were the 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 child future king the prince right yeah. and you do some naughty thing you couldn't be punished because you are the prince so they can't touch you so they will hit the other poor It's child thank your friend instead Exactly. So, and he, he, his only job was to receive uh, the punishment for what the other did. So that's how much they cared. It's just right. an example. And, and those nice architecture was there and next to it would be people with no home, no shoes, right. no nothing and dying with hunger and cold. Um, we don't just don't have a physical trace of that. So So, yeah. no, the only uh, the nice anything nice and clean that was built during those days were things where your royalty would go. If they yeah. didn't go there, then it was going to be awful. Yeah, That's exactly. Sure. So it was just for them, and now it's open for everyone uh, for an entrance fee, of course, because now we have the state, and yeah. it's not it's not that bad because well, I can I can still believe that uh, this obviously needs some maintenance, so. I believe you are paying a ticket also for for maintaining this place uh, mm. in a good state, right? Uh, but we have earned a lot in terms of democratization, <laughs> the um, uh, opening of opportunities um, yes. today. All right. So well, that was a good little uh, background into medieval uh, uh, government and how all that worked. Um, so your song, so we'll get back to your music, your song, uh, Kiero, you, um, you, uh, did this with, uh, Jose Andrea that I hope I got his name correct. Yeah. Um, so, and so that led me look up his music because I wasn't familiar with him as an artist and I was pleasantly surprised about being, uh, a metal Spanish artist. He was pretty hard, hard rock, which I had never heard before. Uh, just cause I just never looked for that genre. So I really enjoyed listening to that. I was really impressed. I was listening to uh, You Start Kiero, and I was really enthralled with the artwork that went with the music video. And then all of a sudden, Jose just roared in <laughs> with this hard rock line. And I just, my eyes, I was like, whoa, what did I just hear? And uh, so I really enjoyed deep diving into his music, too. Uh, what brought that collaboration together? So um, he, uh, I just started my, like seriously, my career in 2020 with the pandemic, uh, whereas he has been doing music for like more than 20 years now. He's been in yes. a couple different bands. And, and so I was, I when I wrote that song, I knew it had to be a duet. Um, I just, it was what the song was demanding, uh, like asking yep. for. Uh, it's yeah, definitely that, it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah so with two, I with the two people yep exactly so um, I obviously 
having collaborations and duets uh, like this are are part of a, like a strategy for for promoting your own work, right. and it's something that is done. But I don't like to force duets uh, just to have that promotion, right? So I'd rather if the song asks for it. I will do whatever it takes to have that collaboration if possible. But if the song is not asking for any any duet or any nothing, I just leave it like that and promote it in other ways because otherwise it it feels artificial when it's just kind of forced into it. Yeah, yeah. Um and so I felt this had to have uh it had to have a male voice in it. Uh, and so I was just talking with some people I knew, and then I happened to find a photographer who knew him, and he told me, hey, maybe I can do uh, try to connect you with him and see if he wants to do the collaboration, etc. cetera. Uh, and so it all turned out well. Um, he listened to the song. He liked the song, so he the, the photographer connected me to him. He told me that he was really looking forward to participate in that project. So the song was already all written, and I just needed gotcha. the male voice. And we we booked the studio and everything, and he came. He already rehearsed everything, and and the result was really nice. And uh, he he really got that contrast between my parts that are more uh, princess like, yes. more. Uh, yeah, you had this beautiful upper. melodic lines and phrases that you were singing, and then mm-hmm. he just slices in there with this rock voice. It was a, it was really great. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, that, that was really nice. We have a group here in the States called Evanescence, and it gave me a little bit of vibe of them, just a little bit, uh, too. Uh, yeah, I, I the love... The build-up you had. Yeah, totally. I really like Evanescence. Um, I would... They had them... They have them a little, a little bit more towards Gothic uh, yes, aesthetic. They do. But definitely, we are all under the same umbrella, <laughs> Um, it's, it's, uh, it's heavy metal. I don't, I don't like much entering into the sub, 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 sub genres that has been, uh, created all those labels because I feel actually heavy metal is, and it comes from rock and rock seems to be like a very, (coughs) it's a big umbrella for sure. Rock is. Yeah. Like it's very, it's very loose. You have a lot of um, freedom to do yeah. things. And you can have rock like Beach Boys, or you can have rock like Judas Priest in his first albums. And yeah. they develop afterwards what will be heavy metal. But this this whole range of things, right? And it's uh, it, ha- it got elements from, from different uh, types of music as well. So I feel that if it's a genre out there that really gives you freedom to experiment uh, within the popular music, that would be rock and heavy metal. So I don't think uh, all these uh, subcategories that uh, they are making all the time, I don't think it's that important. um, No, I don't either. Categorize to this need. I I got a comment once on one of my songs uh, of a person uh, they were saying something like, your song is kind of between power metal and folk metal. You should choose one. And uh, I'm like... No, you shouldn't choose one. 
uh, it's actually nice that I came up with something different, uh, right. new. I don't know. People say it lo- it sounds different, it sounds original, and I'm I'm glad it is. But I don't need to like force a category. So now I'm going to create a Catherine heavy metal subgenre. Yeah, <laughs> it makes no sense at all. Now I am a big fan of mixing things together that you haven't really heard before. Yeah. So, so when you have your beautiful voice sing, and you've got these sort of uh, medieval Renaissance kind of musical lines going through, and we'll get into your heart playing here in just a second, and you've got this going on, and then the metal starts to come in uh, with the rock entrance and the guitar entrance, and then you meld all those together uh, at the end of the song. I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of stepping out of tradition and mixing all to all kinds of traditions together the more you can yeah. mix the better yes also because if you try to do like i'll tell you an anecdote i have a friend who is a musician uh, in the spanish scene and uh, he's like 65 years old so like my father is like a father and we were uh, out one day and uh, he wasn't uh, something a fan of him sent him a song that he made and he wanted him to listen to it and he listened to it and he told the bartender who is his friend uh, because he always goes to that bar and and he said oh that reminds me to what, what I what, what was I doing in my 20s and I found right. that really sad because People uh, got so obsessed with that sound, they cannot go and do something else. And they forget that uh, these people who are 65 now, they revealed against what was there in their times and they created something new. And that's how this sound exists. But if you keep, it becomes like a non-official conservatory, you know, and you keep repeating the recipe over and over. And then you wonder why, uh, rock is dead, quote unquote, or is not uh, moving forward, etc. And it's like you need to keep going and, right. you need and even to come revealing, up with new things. Yeah. Yes, and even even revealing against uh, what was previously done, and and that's how it always uh, worked. Like if you go from classical music, which is actually um, 18th century. Movement and then get the 19th century music that is more romantic, symbolic. It was like going against what was done previously. Yeah, they they were going against all those rules about you know how to follow chord progressions and you know what's supposed to go together with other patterns. And the Romantics just said, "Forget about that. We're gonna we're gonna do all kinds of new things." Exactly. And uh, you cannot do parallel fifths and parallel uh, octaves. Uh, we are going to do all of that uh, only. Yes, and you see, it will work, you know. So that's uh, what it's demanded of the young generations, I think, is to what um, uh, this uh, psychoanalysis, uh, how it was called. Uh, I forgot the name of, of this guy. My goodness, it's very well known. This. And the guy who invented psychoanalysis, Freud, uh, Freud, Freud yeah. uh, he said, you have to kill the father. <laughs> and oh, that, no. 
Yeah, it's not like you have to literally kill your right, father. Right, right. It's like you, you, you need to do tabula rasa. I mean, to, to swipe off the table, you right. have it feeling empty, and you start all over. Um, not absolutely, because it's not like going back to zero uh, totally. Yeah. Tradition but, is good, but you don't want to get stuck in tradition. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you were talking about parallel fists and things, and I was like, oh, that takes me right back to music theory class. <laughs> and my professor would say, oh, you can't do that. And I would say, sure, I can. I'm just a romantic. <laughs> he was like, no, that doesn't count. You can't write those. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's it's a matter uh, of context. Uh, yes. Actually, when, when you dive deep into that, um, if you are into a context, meaning that um, – it works within the piece, so you can have a piece where it's built upon fifths, parallel fifths and octaves, and it's going to sound well, because the thing with fifths and octaves is that it's an interval that is very strong, and it's like a statement. It's something yeah. with a lot of character. So when you don't use it carefully, it kind of stands out in a bad way in, in your piece. But if the foundation of your piece is all parallel fifths and octaves, it's going to work because it's all in a, this is strong statement. Yeah. So it can it kind of soften uh, themselves uh, and neutralize it neutralizes uh, it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And the same happens with force. I, I love the the interval of force. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it sounds so epic and so you know. Uh, for example, smoke on the water reef is built on yeah, force. Yeah. Uh, right. Richard more loves using force, and I love him for that. And uh, if if it's in the context of the song, it's all built upon that foundation. It's not going to sound tense or weird. Right. If that's what you always do, then that's what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Now, um, so your music uh, has a lot of visual aspects to it. Whenever you uh, whenever I look up your, your music online, uh, the artwork, the cover artwork, and then the videos that go along with it are absolutely gorgeous. And Thank so you. you do a lot of, uh, use a lot of AI to develop some of the backgrounds. Uh, but a couple of your videos I read, they're uh, animated, but not, uh, not cartoon animated, but like hand-drawn images that move together that are absolutely great and and i believe i read so like for Kiero, you drew all of that video is that right yeah so for I, the four songs that i have only the first one guerra odio y dolor uh war hate and sorrow i didn't do the the visuals that i i hired someone but it was expensive and that's how i yes. ended up learning animation mm -hmm. and for the other three i didn't use any form of ia it's ai sorry it's all hand drawn and basically when you say cartoon animation 2d animation frame by frame animation is sort of is the same thing so that that's right. frame by frame means that I drew each and every frame. I did it with Procreate, which is a, it's, it's a great tool for illustration. But at the time, the part for animation was very, very basic. So the most basic thing you can, it's not really designed for doing an entire video clip. It's designed for doing a small GIF or things like right, that. Right, right, right. 
And somehow I managed to learn to use it really fast and create entire video clips from that. It was really crazy. Uh, I was very proud. But yeah, I drew every single thing. And now Procreate has launched a specialized app that's called Procreate Dreams that is only for animation, has way more tools. And I'm like, why didn't this exist <laughs> two <laughs> right. years ago? But well, yeah. Your creation uh, is wonderful. Um, thank you. Without it, you know, not speaking Spanish, I would have not gotten the message oh, uh, of the music nearly as deep. Uh, as I did, uh, so it was wonderful artwork. The answer was worthy. It. Yeah, it was wonderful artwork to go along with it. Thank you. Um, so uh, you are also a harp player. Uh, yeah. When when did you start uh, picking up the harp? Because that's not a common instrument that a lot of people learn to play. Well, I remember when I was like 12 years old, I had a friend who was like, oh, the harp. I, I, I had never seen a harp before in real life, I mean. And I had this friend saying, oh, the harp is so difficult because this and that. And I have uh, this habit, this sort of ritual to always tell myself when I want to learn something new, this is easy. This is super mega easy, even if it's not that true because if you frame your brain to believe something is easy you will have a easier time learning that thing if you already right. are like uh, oh this is hard i won't be able to do that i've never done something similar you you are adding too much complication to yourself that is unnecessary so just go there like ah, oh, this is easy i will get the hang of it really fast and it's a sort of positive um, self-lying. <laughs> right. Uh, positive and condition. So, yeah. And anything so, you want to learn, as long as you put it in a positive framework. Yeah, um, it's easier. It's certainly helpful. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it makes your life easier and happier <laughs> and less frustrating. And so I got that idea in myself and I was like, yeah, we'll see if it's that difficult. Like I cannot, for some reason, I cannot believe you. Maybe because this girl didn't play the harp herself. So it was like, um, it was like hearing business advice from someone who never did business. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, it, 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 it got in my head and it was there, um, years passed and then, like a couple a, a couple years ago, I said, okay, now I will try and I will see if that was really true. And I got the hang of it quite um, easy. Um, like it was natural for me, uh, the harp in particular, for example, wind instruments for me are like, I can't. No. <laughs> I, it's, it's hard for me. Like I, I have, there's these... Uh, there's a special flute in Peru that's called, we call it Kena. And yeah. you need to work even like just being able to produce a sound. You need to learn with practice how to put your lips, etc. Right. I've never, never been able <laughs> to make that thing work. It's just, I can't. So, and, and then my 60 year old friends that I told you about, he is uh he plays the flute the the one yeah. that you play like that and he tried to teach me it was impossible so i uh, am flute not... was the hardest instrument for me uh when yeah. i was 
going through them in college uh, for uh, for music education majors, you you spend a little bit of time on just about everything. Yeah. And the flute was by far the most awful thing I had to try to learn. Wow. Um, yeah. It's I just I did just enough for my teacher to say, okay, you can move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. It was an awful yeah. instrument to learn. Absolutely. All the wind instruments. I actually have huge admiration for all the wind instrumentalists out there. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Guys, uh, for me, however, strings, all kind of the strings come very, very easy to me. So violin comes. Uh, when I try the violin, uh, it was a friend of mine. Uh, she was in, studying in conservatory and she was teaching me and she was so surprised. I, I couldn't understand it at first. And she was like, you're, you're getting it so fast. Are, are you sure you didn't do class violin lessons before? And I, I swear by God, I've never taken <laughs> uh, violin lessons before. And so my 65 year old friend tried to teach me to play that and it was impossible. I said, no, this thing is not for me. And he was laughing right, at right. me like, it's so, for him it's so easy. But when I tried to to put him on the harp, he was like, no, this is so weird. So many strings. I don't know how you <laughs> do it. So. so did you start on a uh, like a, a regular harp? Most people would, would think of the really tall, you sit down, it weighs a ton. And you have to use a dolly to move it around. Did you start on a harp like that or did you start on something smaller? So you're talking about the pedal harp. That's the yep, kind of harp, harp. That, that has some pedals. And mm -hmm. that those those are the ones that are used in orchestras because they can uh, uh, they cover all the tonality, all the keys that you can do. Yes, all they've the got plenty of strings to do that. Yeah. You have like 40 something strings on those. And, and yeah, they can play all the keys. And whereas the lever harp that, or the Celtic Irish harp, those cannot, uh, there are certain keys they cannot do. Um, I started with the lever harp because I actually wanted the lever harp. I, I, yeah. I am in all this Celtic Irish fantasy mm -hmm. sound. Yeah, that so makes a I, lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, sure does. Um, so the, the lever harp, uh, what's the octave range on a lever harp? So depends on the strings. Like I have one, my biggest one has 36 strings. And so it goes uh, like two octaves below yeah. uh, central uh, C. So C4, 3, 2. And then you have, I think it might be like seven octaves, mm, roughly. Gotcha. Well, that's still plenty of room. <laughs> yeah. the play my goodness seven yeah. octaves that's quite a lot mm -hmm. uh you got a mariah carey singing range worth on your, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, your on your harp there um yeah. so do you normally uh, uh do solo work for your harp or for your music or uh do your talents lend to any ensembles or anything uh, for now i'm doing on my own because you know that heavy metal is like a mostly a band um yeah genre right yeah you, everyone has his uh, their band and their friends uh, i see i i yeah. um for example but heavy metal's better with an orchestra with it i always thought yeah yeah i love the yeah, hurricane yeah. 2000 of the scorpions uh it's amazing and it really sounds better 
um, even though sometimes I, I, I was trying to look for references on how you do the bass line when you have an orchestra because you have the the double bass and the electric yeah. bass. So how do you how do you put that together? And I was very pissed off by the guitars because they sound a lot, and I was trying to get to get the sound of the bass line, and it was really hard to listen to that with the guitars and the all the yeah. electric things going on, uh, filling the whole sonic space. But you, it, it, when you know how to do it, um, it's really it's really fun to to work with both electric and acoustic sounds. Uh, it's it's really amazing. And, uh, and so the bands, I, I, I am so jealous of Coldplay because they met at the university and they became friends and then they right. all built this band together as friends. You know, it's like the dream, like the yeah, ideal. Yeah, yeah. But I've never found people who will share the same mindset as me for, for both the music, the sound and the work ethic. Like most people sadly will go already like, ah, I will never leave off of my music anyway, so obviously you won't put the same effort as if you yeah. believe you can do something with yeah. music. So at some point I was tired of waiting for people and I decided to just start on my own and then... That's right. Well, if you stay on your own, other people will find you, that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, if you just keep doing the work, other people will, will pick you up because your work is really good. That's Thank for sure. You. Thank um, you. So uh, you've got multiple things published on Spotify, and you can find your music uh, most any places. Do you have anything that'll be coming up in the near future? So yeah, for now I am all focused on this because I will start on April uh, a program for becoming a movie soundtrack composer. Mm -hmm. So. I still want to work on albums, EPs. Um, I am not that, like, I try to resist because when I released my four EP songs plus that cover, that is Reina de Mis Sueños, it's a cover, um, everyone was telling me, especially in the old school side of things, like, no, right. you should have an entire album with 13 tracks, etc. Yeah, you don't like, need that anymore. Yeah, not only you don't need that anymore, it's just that that piece of work doesn't need that anymore. It's a story on its own and it's closed with Quiero and I tried, yeah. but it's like, it's, it doesn't need anything else. It's, uh, no. I need to move on to other things. So I'm working on an album that is going to be called Entelequia, that word also exists in English. And it's a, it's a word that I picked up on purpose, a uh, strange and not very much used word. Um, it's like a utopia. Basically, it's the same yeah. meaning as utopia, but even more exaggerated. Like an utopia is something that, oh, it's ideal. We wish it was like that, but we cannot have it like that because the world is not perfect, right? So entelechia is that with asteroids. So it's such an ideal perfect thing that is obviously not true right right and it's kind of ironical because then it's just like a social critique of the things we've been uh, experiencing in the last two three years with all the uh you know uh, lockdowns enforcement yeah, yeah, yeah. mandates you know 
So it goes, uh, it's like uh, my vision on that, how I experience that and what I think about that basically all put in those songs and still don't know if it's going to be an EP or a full length album. Hopefully it's a full length album, but I won't force it. Right. Well, people don't digest music and albums anymore now. Uh, mm. uh, with the internet and streaming, people listen to individual stuff or... If you're like my kids, they listen to about 20 seconds of a song and then they skip to the next one. <laughs> and they hardly ever listen to a whole thing all at once. Yeah. Skip, 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 skip. Yeah, well, that's, I have a uh, possible explanation, sadly, for that. Not only about the attention span and all of this, but we have to admit that many songs in the past obviously there they were bad things in the past it's not about idealizing the past but like the big songs that we remember the the, the classics uh they have a lot of nuance and you will go from very slow and soft to very strong and and edgy and yeah. you know with a lot of the instrumentation will change you will have dynamics and that will keep the attention moving forward and you were also expecting something to arrive right and you will have an unexpected instrument that will get in doing something yeah. and that will wake that you third up section of the song to get you exactly. to keep you interested exactly and today most songs are the same Flat. All yeah. along. So it happens to me myself as well. Sometimes I I have a song being sent and I listen to the first 10 seconds and I uh, get bored of it. I And because literally this song, you listen to the first 10 seconds, you, you've listened to all of it, sadly. So people have, yeah. for some reason, forgotten the importance of dynamics in music. And that's sad. Yeah, you got to have a hook or a catch or something. They get your ear, that's for sure. Um, uh, so I'm real excited to see what you do in, in movie soundtracks and stuff. And that'd be amazing to see your, your name up there. Say, I, say, look at that. I talked to her. She did the whole music. That's great. Yeah, um, what are some of your uh, uh, favorite movie soundtracks? Oh, so I recently rewatched E.T. <laughs> ah, yeah. And, oh, my goodness. That soundtrack is so beautiful. And... Obviously, it's an old movie, so they don't have all those virtual instruments, libraries, processed sounds, super modern yeah. sounding. They he all only quote unquote has a I don't know if it's the standard basic orchestra with a minimum amount of instruments of or or if it's like a bigger orchestra, but he just has the sounds of the orchestra and and only right. quote unquote with that. He manages to do something that's really, really conveying a lot of a lot of feelings, and um, I guess everyone has seen ET by now. <laughs> but when when ET is like dying, you know this all this scene when he's dying, and yeah. there's all these um, FBI people, etc. Mm -hmm. And I was there, and the music was sounding, and it was so everything so moving. I was there crying, no, don't do that to him, etc. And the well, music—you can't go wrong with John Williams. I mean, he's the the master of themes, and and giving each character an emotion and a hook that goes along with them. I mean, nobody does a better John Williams. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have like it has themes, like each character and situation mm -hmm. has a theme, and then you have Ennio Morricone, Morricone, of course, um, with the instrumentation. I love how he uses like instruments that you wouldn't think of at first. Um, mm -hmm. It's really surprising you with that, and then Howard Shore with the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. As uh, yeah, like, yeah, that was definitely one. new. Uh, for what got me with Lord of the Rings when it came out was uh, the meter. It was not your standard like four four or three four. I think it. He think he said it in five or something when it first came out. It said it said in uh, five four. I think. Yeah, I was Especially thinking. I was like, I couldn't remember. I was like, do I like this? I don't know. It's so different. I was like, I gotta yeah. like it. It's different. <laughs> it's not something you are used to, but especially for Isengard uh, scene, uh, it, yeah. it made total sense because Isengard is, they are building this artificial, the Urukai, who are mixed between, um, I don't know the name in English, uh, with um, orc and something else. And the so elves it's like and, the, and the humans, yeah. Exactly. So, um, It's not something that existed in the nature of that world. Right. It's something like like a DNA mutant thing that they were creating. Mm -hmm. So it was artificial, and he was killing trees to do to do his uh, factory there. Yeah, so right, factory right. industry, man made. So it had uh, an evil, right? So yeah. it had to have like this strange rhythm that it's evil that it's. Uh, something we are like it's it's made for it you are supposed not to like that very much so it yeah. was very genius uh election there uh, I, i've, I've got to ask the bells in the background uh that i'm loving the sound of them what are they for i'm uh, hearing them sorry i didn't understand your question there's some there's some bells going on in the background i, I can hear Yes, there is. A, I What I love about uh, Greece, I am in a city near Athens, very near yeah. Athens. It's called Piraeus. And I've, uh, Greece has a state very traditional in many ways. And it's like because of the history they have, they are quite a few years behind uh, in a good sense, uh, especially with what's going on with the world in general. Right. And in Europe, Um, many things are being like distorted on purpose and here they have stayed in a very traditional in a good way the, uh, state you know and there is a church nearby and every time there is the bells uh, ringing like in the old times so yes really nice. I love it I was thinking man I was like that's the downfall of living in the United States we don't get that cultural oh. heritage you can get from From living in some place that's that's rich and in age and has just been around for so long, yeah. yeah. I, no, I was digging the church bells. I was, I was a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you. Uh, thanks to technology, you could listen to them. Yeah, and enjoy I could hear them. them a little bit. Um, uh, so I went through your uh, TikTok uh, yesterday, and a, a video went across that caught my interest. You talked about the difference uh, between 440 hertz and 432. Oh, and yeah. I don't think I had ever heard that before. So um, I got really surprised how fascinated I got reading up on the difference between uh, the hertz because I just I never really 
thought uh, much about it. Um, so, uh, so do you write in fourth? Well, I don't know if most people know, but most music is tuned to uh, 440 hertz is the is the frequency of uh, practically all music that people listen to, and that's mm-hmm. the tune. But uh, there's a lot of people that say 432 hertz is more in more in line with the frequency of of the earth and the natural sounds that are around us and so Mm -hmm. they like to use that hertz instead of 440. so uh, i never thought about it and so and it's not something i've tried to do so um so what is your uh what have you noticed about using the different hertz yeah, okay, so uh, the frequencies is like the level of the sound, right? And each instrument will have like a set of frequencies and each note, it has a frequency and that's like a scientific thing and it's absolute. Yep. So if you have a uh, A4, I think it is, that has 440 hertz, yep. it's absolute and C4 will have its own uh, frequency, etc. And so before the, uh, there was a standard that the, this is standard. The thing is that it, it mixes with this spiritual thing, as you said, is more aligned with the, our true nature, etc., etc. And also this standardization of the hertz that we are going to use as a, as a, um, uh, as a reference for tuning everything. It right. came after World War Two, and so this. Uh, um, some people say it's a legend, and some people really believe in that. Um, that it was a Nazi who decided that we uh, to, to standardize in that particular frequency oh, because I'm already that, against it. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it has. I don't know if it's true or not because some people swear by it, others totally dismiss it and so i uh, this is what they say that uh, it would it would have been the nazis who did that on purpose to purposefully uh and you know disbalance people disconnect them and control them easier etc etc uh. but um the thing is that before that uh, um each uh, orchestra in each city would have their own tuning and so yeah. if you have an orchestra doing 432 or 446 or 440 or whatever you wanted, yeah. uh, and then you travel somewhere else, um, they will have their own tuning. So it would it, it was a mess. And yeah. even before that, when we weren't really that much aware about the frequencies, um, Instruments within the same orchestra would have different tunings in different frequencies, and yeah. that must have been funny. Um, so the reason why uh, I've seen YouTube videos uh, where a guy will play something in 440 and then in 432, the same exact thing, and then the the voting was almost unanimous in all of the videos like 99.999% of people were saying that 432 sounded more relaxing and gives them more peace. Yeah. So the reason why is that is because 432 is a lower frequency than 440. So 440 is higher and yeah. high keys, high notes, high sounds tend to stress out. Yeah, they're more as, harsh. Yes. And... Yeah. 
And low sounds tend to be more relaxing for humans, for horses, for animals in general. Lower sounds are soothing. So yeah. there's that. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have a spiritual meaning to that. And in fact, there are several healing frequencies. So 432 will bring more peace. And there's another frequency that is more for uh, self-esteem, let's say, and another frequency for another thing. So you basically have different frequencies that you can use to different specific uh, spiritual problems right, you want to solve. to help solve. your mood that you want to be in. Exactly. Well, so, uh, in my reading, I found I saw a couple of places where Mozart tried to keep everything at 432. Okay. And I was like, well, if it was good enough yeah. for him, that's good enough for me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, the, the, the thing that I notice is because everything now is designed for 440 is that the yeah. tuning, it's a little bit less stable when you try to do that in 432. But it can it can be done. And, you know, it's a positive thing. So if I want to believe that 432 is going to do good to people, it will because I'm creating that in my mind. Yeah. It's, it all comes down to what you believe. In the world of a person who doesn't believe in magic, don't expect magic to happen because they can't see it because they don't believe in it. That's why right. you always have this, like, you have to believe in it. It's true. <laughs> it's cliche, right. but it's true. You have to believe in it and you start seeing it and you start seeing oh, synchronicity, the cat that passed and this sign that I saw and a feather on the floor and a word that someone said, you know, and yeah. it, it happens because you put your attention and belief mm -hmm. to it. So if you go with that good intention saying, you know what, I want to bring peace and happiness to people and putting my music in 432 is going to help me then why not, right? Uh, right. It's going to sound a little bit like a, if I imagine the radio, for example, um, my song in 432 after a song in 440 is going to sound a little bit out of tune to people because you're changing the calibration. Yeah. So it's, it's tricky. It's tricky, but I'm trying. <laughs> All right, uh, Catherine. So we're coming to the end of our conversation here. So I got two little fun sections I like to go through. So here's a couple of just fun uh, questions for my, for, for a fellow uh, uh, music person myself. Um, what is your, the best place you've ever performed at? Oh, so for now I mostly performed like on TikTok, on lives. Um, I still don't have much experience with, um, live touring, etc. Because since I started, I really launched my career in the middle of the lockdown, so right. that wasn't an option. And after that, I noticed it's like a, it's like a, a beast on its own, like just managing the touring business side of yeah. things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I would like I'm more focused on building online presence first and then uh, performing. But at, at some point I was 
I'm still am a little bit in the NFT world that moves a lot on Twitter and doing yeah. a lot of Twitter spaces. And it's really lovely to perform on Twitter spaces. First, because it's only audio. So it, that's, that's great. You can focus only on the sound. And second, because the community there is so lovely, so supporting and they really welcome you and you can listen to others work as well. So it's, it's like the, the uh, Paris cafes in the 19th century where yeah. all the artists will, will find themselves and talk and exchange ideas. It's just a bigger online modern thing. So that was a good place to start showing my things live. All right. I love it. Um, uh, who are some of your favorite uh, musical artists right now? So right now for the singing, I I love Ronnie James Dio a lot. Yeah. Uh, when I was a girl, and I still do like her a lot, but when I was a girl, I I so I was so so inspired by Christina Aguilera. So that's why I'm yep. telling you it's so different from what I do now. Um, I went recently through a small Enya phase. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's very relaxing. So his his yeah. her music sorry, is very soothing and positive and I don't know, it has a really uh kind vibe in me. Uh, yes it does. Um what type of uh movie do you think you would want to compose for? What style oh, of movie? I- I'd love to compose fantasy, mystery type of of movies, um, sort of um, Tim Burton's type of movies Mm -hmm. would be nice as well. Well, You're going to take on Zimmer's job if you want to write for Tim Burton. (laughs) (laughs) I think those two are always together. I think Tim and on Zimmer. I said Tim Burton type, so he doesn't Right, there you go. He didn't invent suspense type of thing. So there's always a place for everyone in this world. I don't need to take anyone's place. Or you could r- write for Baz Luhrmann. He's like the like the musical theater version of, uh, of um, Tim Burton. Yeah. <laughs> He's quite good. All right, um, Catherine, at the end of each podcast, I ask my, um, my guests the same uh, five or six questions. And it's always interesting to see what people uh, come up with, the similarities. And these are super easy. Uh, Your first one, what is your favorite smell? uh, Jasmine and roses. Jasmine and roses, that's a good one. Uh, We had a jasmine uh, uh, bush when I was little growing up, so it was always one of my favorite, Mm -hmm. too. Oh, Uh, Do you have a favorite kind of sandwich? Oh, the sandwich club, chicken sandwich club thing. Oh, ooh, chicken club. Here. Yep, I love it. Uh, what's your favorite kind of drink? Orange juice. <laughs> orange juice. That's great. No, that's a good one. No one's ever said orange juice yet. I like it. Uh, what's one thing that makes you happy every single time it happens? Uh, seeing a cat. <laughs> seeing a cat. Yes, uh, we have two cats at our house. Oh, yeah, I love cats. And here in Greece, there are plenty of cats. So every oh, yeah? five seconds, I spot a cat. And it's like, tuxedo, caray, um, white, black. I saw a black cat on your, I guess, her TikTok or something. Was that yours? Yes, that's my cat, Aileen. Yeah, I love it. We have, um, we have a black cat and a tuxedo cat. 
Oh, uh, so over beautiful. here. We've always had black and white animals for some reason. It's been our thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what kind of advice would you give yourself as a kid? Um, to, to trust herself more, to have more decision, uh, not doubt herself so much. Yes, that's a, that's a very common answer. Don't, don't <laughs> doubt yourself to stay the course. Yeah. Um, what's one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen? Oh, I have so many things, but, um, wow. I, I, I'm thinking about Paris, artistically speaking, Paris is one of my favorite cities. It's still number one there because yeah. it's so full of beautiful things. Even a simple water fountain has a sculpture and some beauty on it. So every time I go around the corner, I see something beautiful and um, yeah, I remember I had, the last time I went to Paris, I had read, just finished reading The Phantom of the Opera that happens yeah. in the Opera Renier that really exists in Paris. And then I was in a hotel with my friend and I didn't know, but when I go around the corner, I see the opera there and it's, and I was like, oh my goodness, that's oh, the opera of the book. And it was so beautiful. <laughs> the whole situation was beautiful. That's my wife's dream city to go to. She's learned to speak French, uh, but she needs people to speak French with. So she's been oh. learning solo hers for a couple of years now, but she needs someone to speak to. Oh, so yeah. she hopefully one day she wants to go. Absolutely. Stretch her to. legs a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, well, Catherine, that takes us to the end of our show. Um, it's been lovely to get to meet you and have you on and hear Thank your you. story. Uh, you can catch Catherine on Instagram or YouTube, uh, on, catch her music on Spotify as well. Uh, so go check her out and give her a listen. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Thank you very much for having me. Yep, Catherine, I wish you uh, all the greatest success in what you do. And you. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll get to hear your see your name and hear your music on the big screen coming up here in, in the not too far away future. Thank you. I hope so, too. Yep. All right. Remember, folks, find what makes you happy and do it. There's a lot of life out there to live, so make it a good one. Be kind, be nice, be good, and everybody have a good week.